Wow, thanks. How fragile we are. How fragile we are. How true that is. I think if there's any one, well, there's not one, but if there's one of the many lessons that we take out of 9-11 and what we take out of the last couple of weeks down in the, the Gulf Coast area, we do realize life is fragile. And I want to talk about that this morning. I want to talk about that from a, a little different aspect, but I want to really center in on this whole thing. And I got a lot of random thoughts, and my, part of my hardest job this week, or the last few weeks as I was, as I was working on this, has been to try to get my random thoughts organized a little bit, which is, which is difficult for me at times. And um, all centered around this theme of, of how life is fragile, and, and I call it our precious and because life is precious. And I want to just get you to think along those lines with me, and I'm going to mention three things. And again, these are not three things that are some kind of a magic formula or anything like that. But it's three basic principles that I want you to think through a little bit and uh, dwell on, reflect on, maybe even pray about, if you're so inclined. Uh, As we talk about, because life is precious, what? What? So what? Because life is precious, I'm just going to jump into this because I want to just get some of these things said and, and move on from here. Because life is precious, live giving value. I talk about this a lot because I believe the Bible reflects this very, very important truth. Not only that, those people in this world who are very successful in other ways, and I'm talking about financially as well as in terms of, and, and maybe depending on their profession, you can be very successful in some professions and, and not, you know, make a ton of money. You can be a successful teacher or minister and probably going to be somewhat limited in your income. But uh, there are other people in business who've been very successful and they were successful financially because they thought about this principle. They wanted to give value. I talk about this a lot because I think the Bible talks about it a lot. Let me show you what uh, David said in Psalm. We're going to look in a couple of different Psalms today. Psalm chapter 90, verse 12 puts it this way. So teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. I like that verse. What David is talking about there, and, and when you read the context, he's talking about we have so many days in life. Help us, and we don't know what they are, obviously. But help us to to number our days, to treat each day as a precious day because, I mean, from an, in, in some ways, it may be one of our last. We, we just don't know that. Things happen. Accidents happen. Disasters happen. 9-11s happen. Um, and my, David's prayer is, help me, to, help me to number my days that I can be wise so that I can know what is, what is important and what's not so important. That's his prayer. That's a good prayer. Lord, help me to number my days so that I may present to you a heart of wisdom. Um, Basically, having wisdom every day of our life. There's a quote that I often use, and I've used it two or three times here. And and for some of you, it will will be a review. For some of you, it will be new. But uh, it's one of my favorite Einstein quotes. Try not to become a man of success, but rather to become a man of value. It's just so good. It's so reflective of what, what the Bible teaches, too. Try not to become a man or a person of success, but rather a person of value. That, that, that whole thing of numbering my days begins by having some understanding of what it means to have value and to bring value to life, bring value to people's lives. 
bring value. However I can do that. And we all come from different backgrounds. We all have different gifts, different giftings and different talents. And there are many ways that can be done. And you can kind of draw your own quote-unquote job description for that, so to speak, as to how I can do that. And you can think about that. Seek to be a person of value in your home. Start there. And then your community. And then your, your, your business, your, your career community. Seek to be a person of value there. It's one of the things I, I, I tried, and hopefully I did. One of the things I tried to teach our kids is, you know, when you, when you get a job, don't, don't worry about what your job is. Do the extra. See, where else can you do? What else can I do to help here? It's an important, it's an important lesson. Seek to be a person of value. Seek to be a person of value wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Home, community, business, families, wherever that, however, wherever and however that might apply to you. That's the first thing. Because life is precious, live giving value. Second thing, because life is precious, not only give value, but live thoughtfully. Live thoughtfully. Here's a, here's a new concept, isn't it? Think about this whole thing of life. Think about what we're doing. Think about what you're doing, how you're doing, what, whatever. I was talking to somebody the other day, and they, they had gotten a new job and, and new career, and I said, hey, this is the way I always like to say it. I said, is this what God made you to do? Not, not make you to do, but is this, is this how God wired me to, 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 to do this particular thing? I said, that's great if it is. You know, that's that whole thing. Think through that. Think through that. Where am I supposed to? Where, where do I give value? How do I give the best value? Think through this. Socrates put it best, the unexamined life is not worth living. And, uh, and when you think about that, how do I keep from... How do I keep from living an unexamined life, so to speak? Well, I'm going to take you to a, a psalm again, Psalm 26, and uh, get you just to look at this. Think about this. We'll talk about it, all right? Psalm 26 is a prayer. Examine me, O Lord, and try me. Test my mind and my heart. For your loving kindness is before my eyes, and I have walked in your truth. Examine me, O Lord. You know, part of this, it, it, we have to sometimes just get alone, get by ourselves, and, and, and maybe, have you ever done this? And just pray. Just a, I don't mean necessarily get down on your hands and knees. That's fine if you want to do that. But maybe just when you're walking or when you're running, if you're exercising or when you're wherever you happen to be, and just say, okay, God, help me to know the truth. Help me to know the truth, first of all, about myself. That's kind of a tough thing sometimes and sometimes when you look at yourself or who you really are and and you know one of the one of the great discoveries in life that I made a few years ago is this liars lie you say that's good rich you're really slow no I am I am but but you see here here was my discovery not only do liars lie but liars lie to themselves and therefore they may lie and not even think they're lying you know, and, and, and that's why you can talk to somebody and they can sit there and tell you some things and you walk away. How can they not get a clue? Because they're lying to themselves. You know, and sometimes instead of just saying, well, that guy's a liar and he may very well be, or that person, keep in mind, they're probably lying to themselves. And what, what has failed to happen somewhere, something got short-circuited where they would stop and, and, and say, God, help me to examine myself. I told you two weeks ago of that horrible, horrible, uh, for those of you who weren't here, I'll just, uh, horrible incident that I had when I was running on the track 
with a bunch of high school kids thinking I was one of them. And when I went by those windows and saw myself in the reflection and didn't have my shirt on, and it was, uh, I thought I looked just like them. I didn't look just like them. And I was not happy. And I thought, oh my gosh, who is that guy? Terrible thing sometimes when you see yourself for who you really are. And you're like, oh my gosh, not just physically. Take that a step further. And sometimes things happen in our lives, whether it's crisis or whether it's other areas in our lives, and we have to see ourselves for who we really are. And sometimes it's not a pretty picture. And that's, what, that's part of this whole thing of examine me, God. Help me to know. There's another, there's another prayer that David prays. He does, a, he does this a lot. I think it's one of the reasons that, that God says he was a man after his own heart because there's another prayer later on that David prays in Psalm 139. He says, he says examine my heart, O God. Test me and, know if there be any, and see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me on, on the everlasting roots. Another verse that I use a lot, another prayer that I use a lot. It's a good prayer. We need, to, we need to examine ourselves, and I don't think we can do that totally without the Spirit of God working inside of us. Because, you know, we'll twist it a little bit. We'll spin it a little bit. I'm not so bad. You know, and, or, or, or maybe I'm better in this area than what I really think I really am. And, and that's, when it really need, that's when it really comes back to, uh, to, to meet us here um, and to speak to us. Let me show you another quote from Augustine that... Uh, I think speaks to this and just kind of elucidates on Psalms. Augustine said this, People travel to wonder at the height of the mountains, at the huge waves of the seas, at the long course of the rivers, at the vast compass of the ocean, at the circular motion of the stars, and yet they pass by themselves without wondering. That's really good. They pass by themselves without stopping to think, wait a minute. Who am I? What's going on in my life? Who am I lying to? How much am I lying? Am I being honest with myself about this particular issue? Am I covering up? Am I hiding? Am I, you know, doing some kind of little dance here? Live thoughtfully. That's the, that's the instruction from Scripture. And, and um, that means we have to think through this whole, what I call the balance of life. The balance between diversion and, and solitude. We can be diverted in a lot of different ways. Sometimes we need just solitude. Wherever that, that may mean solitude for me in, in your car. Just turn off the CD and just think. Maybe, maybe it's on the train, you know? And you just kind of get back into the corner, which you can do pretty easily in the train, depending on when you ride, and, and just say, you know, I'm not going to talk, I'm not going to listen, I'm just going to think. And maybe even as I sit here and pray with my eyes open, or maybe close my eyes, whatever you want to do. And just think. Wherever you can grab that solitude, you need to grab it, wherever it is, however long it is. I'm not saying it has to be a four-day silent retreat. That'd be good. But we don't all have the luxury of being able to do that. But that whole balance of life thing has to do with, with diversion versus solitude. It has to do with work versus family, that, that constant friction. Uh, the, the, the constant friction between the tyranny of the urgent and what's really important, what's urgent may not be important. And sometimes that's a lesson that all of us have to learn, that tyranny of the urgent thing. And sometimes we get so busy doing things, putting out fires that we don't have to stop, that we don't stop and think, hey, what's really important here? Let me read something to you, and I'm going to get you to follow along with me. I think it really speaks to us and our culture. Um, just kind of follow along here with me and see, see, who, see what New York, famous New Yorker said this. 
The only good thing for men, therefore, is to be diverted from thinking of what they are, either by some occupation which takes their minds off it, or by some novel and agreeable passion which keeps them busy, like gambling, hunting, some absorbing show, in short, what is called diversion. That is why men are so fond of the hustle and bustle. That is why prison is such a fearful punishment. That is why the pleasures of solitude are so incomprehensible. So yeah, that hustle and bustle. Nothing wrong with diversion. It's just when it becomes all diversion. Who do you think said that? Let's show them. 1600s, Pascal said that. Isn't that amazing? It wasn't, he had the heart of a New Yorker, I suppose, but he wasn't. Um, and whether it be in the culture in which we live in, and, and, and really to some degree the, the, the Western culture, certainly the American culture, that hustle-bustle thing does have a way of just keep going, keep going, keep going, so I don't take time to examine and to think. Again, there's nothing wrong with cell phones and Blackberries and trios and iPods and yada, yada. Nothing wrong with any of those things. But when we fill up our lives so that we don't have that solitude to think for whatever period of time we can, we can fit that in, then it becomes a problem. Then it becomes a problem. So we, all, we, we think about that whole thing. The unexamined life is not worth living. So when we talk about life is precious, therefore live giving value, we also think life is precious, therefore live thoughtfully. Think. Think. And sometimes even pray and ask God to give you the ability to think rightly about certain things. And sometimes we, we, we all need that. Let me show you a third thing. This, this gets better. Life is precious, therefore live giving value. Therefore live thoughtfully. Therefore live abundantly. Live abundantly. When we don't get hung up on diversions and... and, and which there's other things in life that can take their toll on us. Um, tragedies, hurricanes, 9-11, the war, politics, sports. Um, but, but, but many times other things can come in there, particularly the tragedies of life, not so much the diversions like sports and so forth, um, but the tragedies of life that oftentimes just kind of beat people down. So I want to talk about this whole concept of live abundantly because I'll tell you this. Let me show you a couple quotes and I'll just tell you something here because this is, this is very personal to me. This is, I'm going to show you a verse in just a moment that, that really changed my life. Actually, it's one of the, one of the Bible verses. I don't, know if I've said, I don't know if I've shared this with you or not before. Um, when you speak as much as I do, sometimes you just kind of forget what you say. But anyway, it's okay. Um, but... I, I, this is a, one of the verses I'm going to show you that, that literally changed my life and, and that, for lack of a better phraseology, God used in my life to, to lead me into ministry. Um, so and I'll, I'll explain that to you in a moment. But first, I want to show you something that, that this, you've probably seen this guy on some infomercials, Anthony Robbins. We are the only beings on the planet who lead such rich eternal lives, internal lives that it's not the events that matter most to us, but rather it's how we interpret those events that will determine how we think about ourselves and how we act in the future. That's some good stuff. Whatever you may think of him, that's, that's, that's really powerful stuff there. 
How we interpret these events will determine how we think about ourselves and how we will act in the future. I put it this way, life with all of its thrills of victory and agonies of defeats provides us with many opportunities, many opportunities to become bitterly depressed because of failure or phenomenally joyous because of success. Our quest then is to live precariously balanced between the two. What I mean by that is to keep from going too far up here and too far down here. You know how so many lives are just up and down. You know people like that, right? Just up and down. One day you meet them and they are just on top of the world. The next day it is, oh me, I am such a worm, I hate life. You know, and, 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 and you know, that's, that's, and sometimes it's justified. They feel horrible. Bad things have happened. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to downplay that. But we have the quest to try to live precariously balanced between those two. And I want to show you this verse. Um, I call this the verse that made me mad. Okay? Uh, really, I do. Because um, this verse, you know, I, I was raised in a church in the Midwest. And, and in this particular church, there was a lot of five and ten and three-point sermons about, you know, why you need to trust Jesus or you're going to burn in hell, baby. Well, they didn't say baby. And um, they just... Trust Jesus or burn in hell. Trust Jesus or burn in hell. And uh, kind of in the, the old... And, and, and hey, that's okay. I mean, that's, that's fine. I'll I mean, be critical. Was, but so I went through this whole thing through my whole teenage years. Okay? Trust Jesus or I'm trusting Jesus because I don't want to burn in hell. Okay? I mean, you know, it's, we called it fire insurance later on in theology school. So, so um, um, I learned this verse after I left that church and started, you know, going, moving and started college and doing some other things, started in a radio career broadcasting and started going to some other churches and some good churches. And I became aware of this verse. And, and, and I'll tell you, it made me mad because once I became aware of this verse, it was always there. I mean, it's not like I, I discovered a new verse. It was always there, but I hadn't seen it before. And when I discovered it, I wanted to go back to the church that I was raised in and say, hey, you bunch of jerks. Why don't you tell me about this one, man? And, uh, and obviously, that was a wrong attitude, and you shouldn't get angry about that. But I had all, you know, I've had every, every kind of issue you can have, I've had. So anyway, I, I got all angry about it. But here's the verse. It's Jesus' words. And it's a great verse. It's, it's, it's powerful to me. The thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. I came that you may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. I'm like, whoa, there's not a tinge of fire in there. <laughs> that really spoke my language, still does. Still is a large part of who I am, particularly as a, as a pastor. I mean, that's what Jesus says. It's not some philosophy, that's Jesus saying, hey, man, I came not to steal stuff from you, not to take away. I came that you might, that you, I love this translation too, the Amplified Bible, that you might have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Why? Because life is precious. Life is fragile. And Jesus knew, knows that and knew that. And that's some powerful stuff. So we talk about because life is precious, we should, we should live giving value. We should live we should live, you know, thoughtfully. We should also live abundantly. I have a, I've done some of these, not all of them. 
before. I read it, ran, ran across this in a couple of different books, actually, quoting the same person. Um, and you'll see that on the, uh, on the thing in a moment, on the PowerPoint. But uh, this are, these are reflections of an anonymous friar, monk, if you will, all these modern times, 1900s, early, late 1900s. He wrote this, and uh, anonymous, remained anonymous, and, and he, he wrote down just a whole list of things of what he would do differently if he had his life to live over again. And these really speak to me. And I just chose a few of them. I've used some of these before, and I'll probably use some of them again. Um, and uh, some maybe you've seen, some maybe you haven't seen. If, you, if you're new with us, maybe you've seen them somewhere else. But he, let me just go through these things, because I think this kind of just illustrates everything that, that's here. Look what he says. I would relax. I would limber up. I'd be sillier than I have been this trip. I know of very few things. I know of very few things I would take seriously. Ah, that's a good one. I'd take more trips. I'd be crazier. How about this one? I would climb more mountains, swim more rivers, watch more sunsets. How about this one? I would do more walking and looking. Ever walk and just not even see things? You know, so busy, so consumed. I like this one a lot right here. I would have more actual troubles and fewer imaginary ones. <laughs> that speaks to me. <laughs> I'd play hooky more. <laughs> uh, kids, deal with that with your folks, okay? Don't go out of here and say, hey, mom, the pastor said play hooky. Um, that's what I need. Um, I would ride more merry-go-rounds. I'd pick more daisies. Of course, that's illegal in New Jersey, isn't it? No, I don't know if it is or not. No, um, no, no, no who's there. I like this one a lot. I'd eat more ice cream and less beans. Isn't that good? I'd go to Cold Stone Creamery a lot more. Huh? That's what he's saying. Right there. If he had Cold Stone, that's what he would have said. Ah. Sorry, for those of you who don't know, in, the, in Milburn and in Chatham, we just got a new cold stone. So some of us are still on that kick, okay? And uh, somehow the car just goes in that direction. I don't know how it works. Yeah, it just works that way. Um, if I had to do over again, I would go places, do things, travel lighter than I have. There's some good thoughts. Obviously, take that for what it is, and that's not Bible, but it's just kind of elucidates in this whole thing. Listen. Jesus put it best. Life is precious. Live giving value. Live thoughtfully. But Jesus said, live abundantly. And look at his words one more time. And let me pray after that. Watch this. Jesus said, the thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they, that's me and that's you. That's who he's talking about. That they may have and enjoy life. And have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. That's why Jesus came. That's why a relationship with God through Jesus, that's what that's about. We call it that, that it's almost a Christian-y term, shouldn't be, but that's the abundant life. And I like the way the, the, the Amplified Bible explains it, to the full, overflowing, enjoy life because Jesus came. That's what it means to have a relationship with God. Does that make the pain less painful when it comes? Not always. Does that make the questions easier, easier 
to answer when you have those, what I call, middle-of-the-night hard questions? Not always. But it gives us an understanding of what it means to be connected to our Creator through Jesus who came to make that possible. That's what it's about. That's why Christ came. That's why he desires to have a relationship with you and me today. Let's pray together. Lord, these are, these are wonderful things to think about, wonderful thoughts and truths to dwell on and focus on and concentrate on. And Lord, they, they, it, what's important here is life is precious and it, it becomes so much more meaningful as we understand what we're all about, as we understand what it means to have a relationship with God, with you, through Jesus, who came and lived and suffered and died and went to the tomb and rose again to give us an ability to have a relationship with you and to give us not just eternal life, but as he tells us, abundant life. We're thankful. We pray that we would examine and re-examine our own hearts and our own lives in light of these wonderful things to think about. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks.